Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 27th of March. India recorded more than 62,000 COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, pushing the overall tally past the 1.19 crore mark. This was the highest single-day spike in cases since October last year. 291 fatalities were recorded in the same period and the death toll crossed 1,61,000. More than 5.81 crore people have been vaccinated in the country so far. Of this, more than 26 lakh people were given the vaccine yesterday. Amid rising cases in Maharashtra, the state government on Friday announced a night curfew starting from Sunday. Malls have been ordered to remain shut from 8pm to 7am. Maharashtra reported nearly 37,000 or 60% of the total COVID cases reported in the country in the last 24 hours. Mumbai reported a record high of more than 5,900 new cases in the same period. As Mumbai sees a new surge in COVID cases, migrant workers who had returned to the city amid the easing of lockdown face an uncertain future. Many of them are seeing dwindling incomes and rumours of another lockdown are giving them sleepless nights. On March 24, as one year passed since Prime Minister Narendra Modi's lockdown announcement, News Laundry's Tanishka Sodhi hit the streets of Mumbai to talk to the migrant workers who were one of the worst affected by the lockdown. Last year, as they lost their livelihoods overnight, they returned to their villages, travelling long distances by trains, buses, cycles and on foot. The migrant exodus quickly turned into a humanitarian crisis. To know how the migrant workers of Mumbai are still reeling from the effects of the lockdown, head to newslaundry.com and read Tanishka's report titled, Mumbai's migrant workers are still to recover from lockdown blow. Now for a brief update on international COVID numbers. COVID-19 has infected more than 126 million people in the world so far and 2.7 million people have lost their lives to it. Global recoveries have surged past 71.4 million. After days of intense political campaigning, voting for the first phase of assembly elections in West Bengal and Assam commenced this morning. West Bengal recorded a voter turnout of 55.27% till 3pm. Voting took place from 7am to 6.30pm. The Hindu reported that those with COVID-19 symptoms such as fever would vote between 5pm and 6.30pm. In the first phase, more than 73 lakh voters in 30 constituencies of the state will decide the fate of 91 candidates who are in the fray in five districts. Polling was underway in all nine seats in Purulia, four in Bankura, four in Jargram and six in Pashchim Mednipur. Voting will also take place for the seven seats in Purba Mednipur, the home ground of Bharatiya Janta Party leader Suvendu Adhikari. The Trinamool Congress and BJP have fielded candidates in 29 seats each. The Left, Congress and Indian Secular Front Alliance, meanwhile, jointly contested on all 30 seats. In a related development, a day before the first phase of voting, at least three TMC workers were injured on Friday in a blast outside a party office in Joypur area of Bankura district. According to India Today, the TMC pointed fingers at the Congress-Left Alliance for the blast. The BJP, meanwhile, accused the TMC, claiming that the blast took place inside the party's office while its workers were quote-unquote making bombs. Clashes also erupted between workers of TMC and the ISF. Four ISF workers were also injured, India Today reported. Heavy police deployment was seen in the area as the situation remained tense on Friday evening. 
In Assam, a voter turnout of 47.10% was recorded till 3 p.m. today. 47 of the state's 126 constituencies went to the polls in this phase. This is the first electoral exercise in the state since the completion of the National Register of Citizens and the introduction of the Citizenship Amendment Act. The governing BJP is fielding candidates in 39 seats, while its alliance partner, the Assam Gana Parishad, will be fighting from 10 seats. Meanwhile, the Congress-led alliance of five parties is contesting in all seats. This election season, as political name-calling, jibes, and vote bank politics continue to be the old tricks in the bag for the political parties, will the mainstream media step up to highlight the actual issues that elections should be fought on? While we can't say if legacy media houses can be counted on for that, we at News Laundry have already started bringing you detailed and unique ground reports about the issues that impact the people of the five pole-bound states in the country. In their latest ground report from West Bengal, News Laundry's Meghnath S and Parikshit Sanyal went to rural Bengal to ask the people about whether the state and central government schemes have benefited them and whether they are happy with the Mamta Banerjee government's performance. Among the schemes that stood out were Mamta Banerjee's schemes for women of the state and Modi government's lockdown schemes. To know more about what the people of rural Bengal have to say about government schemes and their implementation, read the report on newslaundry.com titled Modi versus Mamta: Who's winning the contest over pro-poor schemes? While you're on our website, you'll find a range of ground reports and video reports under the Assembly Elections section of newslaundry.com. While Manisha Pandey, Meghnath, and Parikshit are covering the elections in Bengal, Nidhi Suresh and Aditya Varya are bringing you stories from Kerala. You can also find Ayan Sharma's detailed reports from the pole-bound state of Assam. I urge you to check out his latest report, where Ayan spoke to people living in the flood-prone areas of Assam. They told him how the high decibel election speeches failed to grab their attention, as their main concerns right now are their lives and livelihoods in the wake of annual floods in the state from April to October. They complained about how vote-seeking parties forget them in times of trouble. To read the full report, head over to newslaundry.com. It is titled "Politicians Get Richer, Our Lives Worse: Why Assam's Flood-Hit Dhemaji Isn't Moved by This Election." I'd like to remind you that we can bring such stories out because we only answer to our subscribers who fund us, unlike a section of the media that runs on government and corporate ad funding. So, if you want factual and in-depth news minus the political agendas and vested interests, support us by hitting that subscribe button on the top right corner of newslaundry.com today. Subscriptions start as low as three hundred rupees a month. Pay to keep news free. Ten people lost their lives on Friday in a fire that broke out in Sunrise Hospital, a COVID care facility in Mumbai's Bhandup area. The bodies of two more people were recovered by rescue teams, who the hospital said had lost their lives to COVID before the fire broke out. Seventy-eight patients in all were rescued by firemen using ladders and lifts. Maharashtra Chief Minister Uddhav Thackeray visited the site of the blaze and declared a compensation of five lakhs each to the dependents of the victims. According to the Times of India, the hospital was operating on a provisional occupation certificate granted by the BMC, and the mall that housed the hospital had received notices for construction irregularities and fire safety violations. The woman who had made sexual harassment allegations against former Karnataka Minister Ramesh Jarkiholi submitted a police complaint against him through her lawyer yesterday. The complaint seeking action against the politician was submitted to the police commissioner Kamal Pant. The Hindu reported. 
Jarkiholi, a BJP leader, had resigned as Karnataka's Water Resources Minister on March 3rd after a video of him with an unidentified woman was aired by television channels. He had allegedly harassed the woman in return for a government job. The woman stated in her complaint, and I quote, I'm facing threat to my life and my family, hence I request you to take necessary action, unquote. She also accused Jarkiholi of sexual assault, cheating and threats after promising her a government job. According to her complaint, the former state minister had also forced her to share pictures and talk to him. She alleged that Jarkiholi made the video to defame her in case she filed a complaint. After the complaint was handed over to the commissioner, the woman's lawyer was asked to file a complaint in Bangalore's Cabin Park Police Station. The Indian Express reported that the police then filed an FIR against Jarkiholi based on the complaint. The politician has denied the allegations levelled against him. He claimed on March 9 that a top Karnataka leader had falsely implicated him in the said sex scandal, which he alleged cost him his political career and reputation. Marking four months of their protests, farmers protesting against the centre's farm laws at the borders of Delhi had given a call for a day-long Bharat Band yesterday. As a part of their call for a nationwide shutdown, farmer groups had urged that shops, malls, markets and institutions remain closed. The impact of the Bund was felt in urban and rural areas of Punjab and some parts of Haryana. In both states, farmers blocked national highways and other key roads at many places and sat on railway tracks at multiple locations. The Indian Express reported, quoting farmers, that protests were organised at 365 places in the state, out of which 321 were road blockades. The Chamber of Industrial and Commercial Undertakings pegged the loss due to the Bund in Punjab at Rs 500 crore. No violent incident was reported during the Bund. According to the Express, while 32 farmer unions from Punjab staged dharnas at 200 places, the Kisan Mazur Sangharsh Committee blocked roads and rail traffic at 165 places in 12 districts. The Hindu reported that demonstrations were organised in Odisha, Uttar Pradesh's Muzaffar Nagar and the Bundelkhand region as well. In Ahmedabad, Bharatiya Kisan Union leader Yuvdir Singh was detained by the police while addressing a press conference, while at least three other farmer leaders were also detained. Now for some international updates. Security forces in Myanmar shot and killed 50 people today amid a brutal crackdown on anti-coup protesters, Reuters reported quoting witnesses and local media reports in the country. This came as the leader of the governing junta, or military leadership, said that it will protect the people and strive for democracy. Protesters came out in large numbers on the streets of Yangon, Mandalay and other towns, defying a military warning that they could be shot, quote-unquote, in the head and back. The country's military generals, meanwhile, celebrated Armed Forces Day today. Dr. Sasa, a spokesperson for the CRPH, an anti-junta group set up by deposed lawmakers, called today a day of shame for the armed forces. He added, and I quote, The military generals are celebrating the Armed Forces Day after they just killed more than 300 innocent civilians, unquote. He was giving an estimate of the total death toll since protests first erupted in February. Four people were killed when security forces opened fire at a crowd protesting outside a police station in Yangon's Dala suburb today. Three lost their lives in a protest in the insane district of Yangon. Thirteen people were killed in various incidents in Mandalay City, according to news channel Myanmar Now. Deaths were also reported in the Saging region and Lashio town. 
the country descended into instability after civilian leader Aung San Suu Kyi was detained by the military leadership last month. The military had denounced election results in favor of Suu Kyi's party NLD. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.